This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce, made specially for you. So if you like hot sauce, you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's the hot sauce that bites back. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. Picture this, if you will. You're going on a long cross-country trip with the family in the family car. It's going to go one of three ways. You're either going to love being in the backseat with your brother and or sister. You're going to hate being in the backseat with your brother and or sister. Or you're going to love being in the backseat with your brother and or sister until you don't. Well, how'd you like to be in a rock band with your brother and or sister? Three choices. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host, Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Amanda, for that wonderful introduction. Welcome to the podcast. You know the name of it, so I'm not going to say it. We're streaming live right now over Facebook and YouTube. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at milkcratesandturntables at gmail.com. I know that's a lot of words. Milk crates and turntables, all one word, just so helping you out. So, uh, yeah, we're streaming live. If uh, you'd be kind enough and you're listening to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a, a hit us with a, a star or whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, however your particular platform does it. And if you're watching on YouTube, give us a like, subscribe, it's free, and uh, ring that little, tap that little bell next to the subscribe, and you'll get alerts as to when we come on. And as I'm finishing up this intro, I see, uh, here he is. Well, tonight's podcast is Siblings in Bands, Siblings in Bands. And now for a man who I love like a brother, we are practically brothers at this point, but if we were in a band, I'd kick his ass out. My friend, Jack Calabrese. Hey, what's going on, Scotty boy? Jackie boy, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. We you ready to do a good show? I'm ready to do a good show, brother, my brother. Sister, my sister. Uh, what were you going to say? You see what? Nothing. Yeah, it's not important. Of course. Yeah. Anyways, it's not important. Although Drinking tea. On, I, th- I think we are on Winthrop Votes Live stream. Oh, okay. Let me fix that. I knew there was something I was missing. So this is uh, let's quick quick uh, change. Here. Let's talk Winthrop politics. They got a lot of problems. For the podcasters. For the podcast listeners, when we live stream, uh, 
I have to title it. And I had another, I do another live stream. I do oh, a couple live streams. And uh, I forgot to change over the title. So bear with me here. You're it's all good. It's all good. Live streaming at its best. Uh, da, 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 here we go. I'm almost done. Good call. Good catch, Jackie boy. Good catch. And now it's all going to change is. over. There, there it is. is. Now we can get to the show. So let me try that again. You ready for a good show? I am ready for a good show. All right. Uh, brothers of siblings, siblings and bands. Bro- brothers, siblings, husband and sisters, wife, family members. Yeah. It's all. One I don't know. Fucking I, mess. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So. Hey, wait, wait, you, uh, we, you know, they're, they're the. What's that? I was going to say, when you were thinking about this and starting to like, you know, look at things, were you surprised at how many of them there were? Yeah. Yeah. I knew, I knew a handful of them, but there were some surprises in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There were definitely some surprises. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. All right. Can you name all the Beach Boys? Uh, let's see. Brian Wilson, Carl Wilson, Dennis Wilson, Al Jardine, Mike Love. They're not uh, brothers. Mike Love no. is a cousin. That's all. He's a brothers. cousin. Well, wait just, a minute. You didn't. You didn't. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on, dickhead. Uh oh. Did, did you well, did you say right name the all the family? Me- did you say name all the family members in the Beach Boys? Or did you say can you name all the Beach Boys? I, I think I I said. Brothers, <laughs> you fucking full of shit. I think that's what I said. No, okay. but the Beach Boys is a good place to start, considering that Carl Wilson and Brian Wilson and Dennis Wilson, with their cousin Mike, are all dead. Yeah, Mike Love is not well, dead. Mike Love's not dead. I, I Brian said that Brian Wilson is not dead. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's good segment, there, Scott. <laughs> You are one giant. All right. I'll have idiot. you know, I'm drinking a fucking right, double you know, the, shot energy drink right now. The, so. the, 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 the funny thing is, is that, you know, if you were to guess back in the day, who would be the first brother to pass? Yeah. Be Brian. I think, almost, I think almost unanimously that people would say Brian because he was such a hard drug addict and, and yeah. then, you know, ballooned to what, 350, almost 400 pounds and, all the mental issues and whatnot. I was going to say the good. mental issues. Yeah, would I think I thought would have been his downfall. Yeah, he's still a, a rolling suicide. along, man. Yeah, yeah, he was in he was in rough shape for a while. He had uh, what is was it his wife or something was keeping him kind of away from the band, and she was negotiating for him, and she wouldn't let anyone talk to him, and she isolated him, and that's that's it's kind of crazy. There, there was some bad, bad players in Brian Wilson's life, yeah. including a couple of his managers and advisors. and his father. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, abusive relationship right out of the gate. Yeah, that messed him up pretty good. But even yeah. you know, even in the even in the later days, like in the early nineties, I remember he put out a uh, an autobiography, and his therapist, if I remember correctly, became like his manager, and just yes. kind of profited. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was kind of guruish. Exactly. He, he exactly. talked for him. 
Uh, yep. Another one who kind of did. Yeah. So by, by the way, around, around that time, I'm, I met both of them. So like, like I said, in the early nineties, Brian Wilson came out with an autobiography and he did a book signing in Boston. And I skipped out of work, you know, during lunch and waited in line with a bunch of other idiots and got my book signed by Brian Wilson and talked to him for, you know, 30 seconds or whatever. And he was barely coherent. And his inscription that he wrote in the book was, it looked like my three-year-old had written it. But you could, you could tell yeah. he did not want to be there. He was not in good shape. Yeah. You know, and the puppet master was right behind him. It was, it was kind of horrible. At least he didn't rush by you and bump you like Chuck Berry did. (laughs) Can I take a picture? Yeah, good luck. Yeah, (laughs) you can take it, but I ain't posing for it. (laughs) Push me out of the way. He punked you. Still emotionally, still emotionally scarred by that. Hey, isn't what's the saying? Um, Do you really want? You might not really want to meet your idols because you're not like you might not like what you see. Yep, you never want to meet your heroes. Yeah, you might not like what you see. Yeah. Yep. Um, can you name the five Jackson brothers? Michael, Tito, Marlon, Jermaine. Uh, wait a minute. This is what always the tough one. This is always Randy. Randy. It's actually. Oh, yeah. 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 Jackie. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. I, can you believe I got that one wrong? Hey, of course I could believe it. Cause Jackie is the one no one ever gets. <laughs> How Jackie. did Tito and Marlon and Jermaine get so famous and Jackie gets left in the dust? I don't know. <laughs> I guess he's the redheaded stepchild of the Jackson five. His name was too difficult, you know, too much duplication yeah. there. Jackie Jackson. Eh, you know, it just doesn't doesn't work. All right. I have one that I know you definitely won't get. I got this moth flying around my microphone. I don't like killing things, but I don't get away from me. Get away from me. <laughs> I really don't like killing things. He's not well, really bothering kill- me, but he's bothering me. Yeah, just leave leave him alone. Moth. Fucking Mothra. Um, all right. I got one for you that you definitely will not get. I, okay. I could, uh, 20 to one, I'll, I'll 20 bucks to your $1 that you will not get this. Okay. Name all the Osmond brothers. Oh, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, um, that's right. That's, that's all right, crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. I'll take a shot. All right, tell me how, how many, many of them are first. Do you know how many are there? Are there five? No, there's six. Six. Yeah. Well, one came along later. Jimmy. So that's the one. So now I give you five. Jimmy, Jimmy. doesn't, he counts, but he doesn't really count. Although he had, he had success on his own after they broke up. So Jimmy, Donnie, yeah. Alan. Yep. Oh, God. Robbie, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Robbie, yeah, Robbie Oswin. Jack- oh, it's uh, Tito. You got <laughs> Jackie, 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 Jack- and Jackie. <laughs> Marlon, Marlon Osmond. So you got Alan, Merrill, Wayne, Jay, Donnie, and then Jimmy came along. Yeah, that's uh, impossible. I know, you know what? I, I I have to tell you, I 
I never really understood no. the Osmond brothers. I didn't. I didn't get it. Wholesome entertainment. I mean, good. I mean, good let's, wholesome. Let's put, it, let's put it this way. You know, never mind being able to name the members of the Osmond. Can you name any of their songs? Yeah, Puppy Love. Uh, that's that a, was that, like that's a that's a, that's a Donny Osmond solo. Oh, okay. Um, no, I can't. Shows I wasn't in. I was listening to David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. So I was. That's what I mean. I don't know. Yeah. They, you know, the Osmonds, I don't know. I, I guess the Osmonds weren't a big thing on the East Coast. No, no. So we'll just kind of volley back and forth like we usually do. So give me your first uh, grouping of siblings, pair or more of siblings in what band? So. The first band that I will throw out there is Phil and Don. Do you know who I'm talking about? Phil and Don. Uh, Phil and Don. Um, oh. It's not King. No, no. <laughs> Was it the Everly Brothers? Very, very good. Bravo. Yeah. yeah. So Are you surprised? You know, I, I am not surprised. You know Good. your stuff, man. You know your stuff. You you are, you know, in the group, you know, you're I the brains you. of the group. You're like the Osmonds. You're you're our Merrill. <laughs> hey, if we were siblings in a band, if we were Oasis, I'd be Liam. Okay. Yes, the less talented one. That's a good choice. <laughs> you got the guitar. <laughs> It's all I'd have to do is choice. wear. All I'd have to do is wear a parka very well. They asked. They asked uh, Noel Gallagher one time. Uh, uh, you know what is what does your brother bring to the band? He goes, "Well, he can sing, and I'll tell you, no one wears a fucking parka better than him." <laughs> the there you go. You know, the, the perfect description <laughs> in perfect placement of yourself. The less talented of the two in the band didn't contribute. Pulled a lot of tantrums. Sometimes a complete asshole. <laughs> you don't hear me arguing <laughs> <laughs> all right liam so, so the the first one that I, that I picked was was the everly brothers just because you know kind of unusual but you know a big big influence in rock and roll so you know came along in the 50s uh you know started off uh in a, in a family so mom and dad also played so they started out as the everly family and then Phil and Don kind of had their own thing in the early 50s and just, you know, hit after hit with Kathy's Clown and uh, Bye Bye Love and Dreaming and, you know, this or Dreams. You know, they, they have so many great songs, the tight, tight harmonies, uh, probably the forefathers of, of country rock, if you will, influenced a ton of people, most notably the Beatles uh, and just uh, a great story. And, and kind of a sad story in some regard as well, right? So, I mean, those guys, they enjoyed incredible success in the 50s. Into the 60s, they got a little bit freaked out about the whole Vietnam War, and they actually volunteered and went into the Marines, I believe. So they, they actually volunteered before they got drafted, which took them out of the limelight for a little while. And then as they were, uh, you know, in, in the Army, you know, the music business obviously had changed, taste had change they both kind of got into drugs and uh you know they they were kind of popular in the early 70s 
and playing kind of the old hits and probably a little bit stressed in terms of not enjoying the same level of success, got into substance abuse. And in 1973, I think it was Don um, that got a little too drunk at one of their concerts, was drinking tequila and champagne. Oof. And got on stage, got on stage, and they were they were doing Kathy's clown, if I remember correctly, and he kept fucking up the words. And Phil got so mad that he took off his guitar and hit his brother hit over the head. He hit with him with it. it. Yeah, yeah. Hit him yeah. over the head. You know, he pulled a honky tonk man, like the honky tonk man. They did not speak to each other for a decade. Yeah. They yeah. did not, you know, bad, bad blood. And and I'll tell you, one of the things that's kind of interesting, Liam, Marlon, <laughs> Merrill, is that, you know, one of the reasons why those guys didn't talk for a long time, even though they were brothers and either they were in lockstep, tighter than anything in terms of their harmonies when they were on stage, they could not have been more far apart politically and socially. They just could not get along in, in any way, shape or form. They briefly reunited when their dad died and nothing really came of it. And then they did a, a, a very successful tour in 84, I believe, where they made a bunch of money and then kind of went away for a little bit until um, a band that they influenced, Simon and Garfunkel, actually kind of brought them back into the limelight, at least to a certain extent. And they did it in a couple of ways. So when Simon and Garfunkel did their very famous concert in Central Park, one of the things that they did is they paid homage to the Everly brothers and they did, I believe they did uh, Bye Bye Love, I think. Or it may have been Wake Up Little Susie. So their relationship was kind of established there. One of the other cool things is when Paul Simon did his Graceland album, the song Graceland actually has the Everly brothers singing backup on it. So they're harmonizing in the back. And then Simon and Garfunkel. can't believe that piece of crap one album of the year. <laughs> piece of crap. Are, are you album. kidding me? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not kidding you. So Graceland <laughs> is a masterpiece. Yeah, okay. What? Why don't you like that? I'd rather listen to the Go-Go's. I was never a big Paul Simon guy. I mean, he has a couple of good songs, but I was never a, never well, got well, it. What uh? What offended you about Paul Simon? The good singing, the creative and thoughtful songwriting, the good production. <laughs> no, just I wasn't. I I'm not into Where's that. He? Like Simon Where's and Garfunkel good? sound, you know. And he was good in the seventies. Too short for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's too short. Yeah, yeah. He ended up hooking up with Edie Br Edie Brickell from the New Bohemians. I think, I think they're still together. They're divorced now. I think oh, I don't know. I, I think they might have got divorced. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, he had little man syndrome with his wife, but you know. Anyways, so go What's on, it, Graceland. One, one. So they they sang uh, back up on on that tune, and to take it one step further, in two thousand and three and two thousand and four, when Simon and Garfunkel, you know, got back together and went on uh, tour, they actually had the Everly brothers open for them. And actually they didn't really have the Everly brothers open for them. How cool is this? Simon and Garfunkel actually came out and played a little bit to kind of get everybody into the arena and whatnot. And then they took a break. They actually had the Everly brothers come out and do a set. So they didn't technically open for them. They actually played in between them. Yeah. They brought them in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is which is kind of a cool thing to do. You know, I mean, the, the Everly Brothers for Simon and Garfunkel, they were legends, right? You know, they yeah. were idols yeah. to them. And they and they paid respect. They did the right thing, which I think is pretty cool. You never hear the Everly Brothers get bashed. Like, no one ever has. You never hear a bad thing about them. You know, they were just, again, good, wholesome band group, you know, duo, good music, nice rhythms, you know, upbeat. Yeah, they, they, were, they were good. Did you know that uh, Paul McCartney actually mentions them in the song Uncle Albert? Yes. He says Phil and Don. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so as, that as was as his I homage said, to them. Yeah. And, and he actually took it a step further when they did their, they did a reunion album in the eighties, I believe. And Paul McCartney actually wrote a song for them that went on that, their album. Right. Which okay. is cool. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's just nice. I mean, you know, nice guys, quality work and whatnot in the, the, rock bands and the the legends that kind of came after them respected them enough to kind of pay homage to them and honored them in a number of different ways. They were fortunate to not have the Ricky Nelson syndrome hit them. Yeah. The garden party incident, you know, where they tried to advance and be more modern and like he did. And then he goes to do an oldie show and they boo him out of the place because he wasn't Ricky Nelson. I think the Everly brothers stayed a little bit truer to who they were. They knew who they were. I was just going to say that they knew who they were. Yeah. But as, as wholesome as they were, they weren't that wholesome. You know I mean? A lot of substance abuse. Uh, I think I can't remember if it was Phil, but one of them for years was hooked on Ritalin. Oh, Jesus. Do they even, do they even prescribe that anymore? (laughs) I I have no idea. (laughs) Is Xanax the new Ritalin? I don't know. I mean, that was in the 80s. That was like, oh, that kid's on Ritalin. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. So just, All right. just just because I have it noted down. So uh, so here's that, just that story. So, you know, Don showed up drunk to a show. They were performing. They were in Hollywood at the time. So Don recapped the night saying, I was half in the bag that evening. The only time I've ever been drunk on stage in my life. I knew it was the last night, and on the way out, I drank some tequila, drank some champagne, started celebrating the demise. It was really a funeral. People thought that night was just some brouhaha between Phil and me. Don kept messing up the lyrics until his brother Phil had enough with the situation. Phil smashed his guitar over his head and walked out of the concert, leaving Don to finish the show alone. According to Rolling Stone, the brothers didn't talk again for 10 years. Yeah. Well... That shit happens with brothers. Oh, so yeah, it does. I'm going to go with uh, probably something that a lot of people don't know. Dire Straits with Mark and David Knopfler. Yes. Right? So mm-hmm. they, in 77, you know, Sultans of Swing was a demo. It was just a demo that they submitted. And it kind of, it blew up and it spearheaded the whole pub rock scene in in England after that. So all these bands started coming out. Now they didn't have a uh a tumultuous relationship, but Mark was definitely the dominant figure in the band and they started it together. He got all the publicity, he gets all the interviews, you know that starts to go and what his brother is the rhythm guitarist and you know he, he helps with writing and but never really gets any attention. So that was a slow simmering uh, 
you know, build up. And you can't really, it, to quote the album, they weren't brothers in arms at the end. That one took a little time. It was a slow burn, but that, they, he ended up, Mark Knopfler, um, basically threw his hands up and his brother threw a tantrum and that was it. But it took a while yeah, for that it, to happen. Yeah, but that, that that's going to happen, right? You know, that that's the dynamic. Look, siblings are not. You know, Mark Knopfler was the lead singer, lead yeah. guitar player, probably the, the most talented music, probably the most talented musician in that band. He was the principal songwriter. Yeah, he, he was, was the, the face of the band behind yeah. that band. So you know, look if if I'm if I'm Mark Knopfler's brother, what's his name? David, you said. Yeah, yeah. If I'm David, I'm keeping my mouth shut and going along for the ride. He did for a long time, but long you know time. that's to. You get overshadowed enough after a while, maybe he was like, hey, you know, I'm somebody. I should get no, respect. No. I'm not no, they're, they're, stupid. I'm smart. I'm not stupid it, like everybody says. I'm smart and I want respect. It's my Fredo <laughs> invitation. That's very natural. So he, it's very good. He was he was the Fredo. He was Fredo in dire straits. Well, can, you, can you picture can you picture him like, you know, going into an English pub? Oh, hey, mate, how you doing? Oh, what do you do for work? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in dire straits. You are? <laughs> exactly, your, dude. See? See? What's, what's, your, what's, your, what's your name? Uh, I'm David Knopfler. No, 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 nobody. It's Mark Knopfler. There's no David Knopfler in dire straits. <laughs> what are you talking no, about? I'm David Knopfler. I'm in fucking dire straits. No, dude, there's only Mark Knopfler in dire straits. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe he should have talked to uh, uh, Malcolm Young. You know yeah. the greatest bass player ever. I yeah, know I made that bonehead. That, that was a bonehead. I know. I can't believe I put that down. I, I still to this day go, how the fuck did I put? How did I think that? Um, yeah, he should have talked to uh, Malcolm Young and say, "Hey, how do you do that?" And he probably would have said, know, "Just collect the money. <laughs> Just collect the money." Is it? Isn't that kind of one of the problems with Dire Straits? I mean, you, you know, you have, Who, you have David? Mark Knopfler. Yeah, you know, well, David, I mean, look, yeah. hey, I'm the biggest dire straits in the world. Mark Knopfler and those other guys, I love them. Yeah. You know, they, there's no personality beyond that band, beyond Mark Knopfler. You know, Mark Knopfler could have pulled a sting and left a lot earlier. Yeah. He Basically, Sting could've. did this. He did that. Sting's like, I don't really need these two behind me. I'm writing the songs. I could do he something, but he did them behind me. Well, let me, yeah. let me ask you this. Do they deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Ah, uh, that's I'm I'm fifty fifty on that. I didn't. I don't know. They didn't get in yet, did they? I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. But, but I don't know. A, I mean, it would be kind of an amusing thing to see Mark Knopfler up there with like four or five other guys up there that nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They they get a lot of they get a lot of push. I think for it. I, I hear their name mentioned, but they're, you know they're you one know. of those bands that that you know. There's a couple of their songs that I absolutely love. You know, Romeo and Juliet, Sultans of Swing. You know, Brothers in Arms are great songs, and I Roller Girls, my favorite Roller Girls. Yeah, I you know, love. Off, of, off of making movies. I love that fucking song. That is such it's a called, great song. It's Skate Away. Skate Away. Yeah. 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 Early video on MTV. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great song. 
as as much as I love those songs, I hate the Walk of Life. Uh, ah, actually, I'm holding up for the for the for the uh, podcast listeners. I'm holding up a 45 of the Walk of Life. Look at that! Yes, right? I still has the cover on it and everything. You got yeah. a trash receptacle near you? Just toss that. Hey, yeah, away, I'll, I'll toss it in with the fucking Bob Dylan albums. Do you know what you should do? You should carry that around with you. Maybe you'll run into to David Knopfler. He can <laughs> sign it for you. Get it signed. Yeah. So hey. let me ask you this. Let me hey, ask David, you this, David. Hey, David, could you do me a favor and just write Mark Knopfler on it for me? Yeah. <laughs> just lie, lie. So do they? Do you think they belong in the Hall Rock and Roll of Fame? I, th- I think eventually they will get in. I I think that they're a mid-level band that didn't aspire to you know much beyond that. I think they were much bigger at, outside of the United States. So, if who do you think deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame more, Dire Straits or the Pet Shop Boys? Now the Pet Shop Boys I, are the second biggest selling duo in the in, in music history, behind Hall and Oates, pretty much. I um, I would imagine. I would imagine that that Dire Straits will get in long before the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, which I don't. I think is bullshit. You know, well, they, they I, come. I, they check all the boxes. They check all the boxes that you need that we that we see for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But because of their their style of music and the name and the you know the kind of stigma that goes with them, uh, you know, look how long it took Depeche Mode to get in. Yeah, you know, I I think the the Pep Chop Boys and I and I don't believe it's fair, but I think that they have a long road ahead of them if they ever get in. Yeah, yeah, which I think they should. They they deserve to be there, just like George Michael deserves to be there. I think and George I think we Michael that. I think George Michael belongs in there before the Pet Shop Boys or yeah. Dire Straits, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah. So somebody just messaged in Pet Shop Boys lame. Yeah, they're lame. Go look at their music catalog. Go look at all the hits they have. Go look at all the record sales they have. They're not too lame. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Well, they're you know what? It's, too, and they still tour. They never stopped touring. They broke up a little, you know, did their side projects, get back together. They sell out everywhere they go. Yeah, you know, look, you know, somebody's saying that the Pet Shop Boys are lame. It's like when somebody says that, you know, U2 sucks or Bob Dylan sucks. I was like, look, you may not like them, and I get that. But, you know, this is a band that has sold millions and millions of records, has toured the world for decades. I mean, the Pet Shop Boys is, have been around for decades. Yep. And they're still out there. They're still pumping still, out albums. Still wanna, so you may not like them, and that's cool, but that doesn't mean they're lame. It just yeah. means you don't like them. Oh, look, Scott, the IT guy decided to to message in, and he says, good evening from the Wendy's drive-thru. What the fuck? This guy. This guy this, the Wendy's drive-thru. I haven't eaten Wendy's in 15 years, I think. Anyways, yeah. moving on. So who, who do you want to throw around next? How about we throw around, you know, some of the, the more obvious ones. Okay. So yeah. what what about our friends the Black Crows? Yeah. The Black Crows. Yep. So R- Richard and Chris Robinson. So, you know, here's a band 
you know, I, I think very, very underrated band. You know, I think they, they've been labeled with, you know, they're a Rolling Stones ripoff. They're a Faces ripoff. Uh, I, I think that they that. are, a, yeah. I think they're a lot better than that. I think that they had a kick-ass band. And they kind of found their own thing, right? So originally they were kind of MTV darlings, you know, short songs, hits and whatnot. And then they kind of got into your favorite kind of guitar solo jammy type thing you know, that they did for a long period of time. And then they had a falling out. Like there is a band yeah, where two brothers just volatile, you know, fists throwing yeah. stuff at each other. They want, well, they've been around together them. for a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they started yeah. a band called miss. What is it? Mr. Crow's garden when they were just teenagers. Yeah. The father, yeah. the father basically said it's not a good idea. And he was like some sort of pop star. And yeah, he had some he had some minor hit like yeah, in the Stu early Robinson 60s. was his name, yeah. But he told them, I don't I don't recommend this, but they went ahead and did it. Yeah. So they you know that they, they actually did a tour with Oasis, right? Another volatile brother band, and and at least according to the Robinson brothers, that Oasis was horrified by how much that the Robinson boys used to fight and how volatile their their fights used to be. Now I'll tell you, the thing that's disappointing to me as far as the black crows is they've gotten back together. Yeah. But it is so obviously a money grab. So, you know, before it was a band, you know, they had, you know, a certain amount of integrity. They had a, a touring band that they had most of their principal members for a long period of time. So then they had their falling out and you had, you know, Chris Robinson going his way and rich Robinson going his way for a number of years. And there was a lot of questions whether they were going to get back together. I knew they were always going to get back together. The money is just too great. The temptation is too great. And after a while, they get tired of playing smaller places for less people. So some promoter comes to them and says, hey, I got an idea. Fire your whole fucking band. Go out on tour. Do your whole first album in its entirety. Stop with the jammy stuff. You know, and we're going to repackage you and, and remarket you and whatnot. They took the entire soul out of that band. Yeah. Now, as much as I would still love to see them, it's just not the same, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you will never see Oasis get back together because their, their shit is now when they were touring with the black crows, I'm sure at that point they were getting along the, 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 the Gallagher brothers, you know, they had probably had little sibling shit back and forth, but, (laughs) <laughs> this ended up being uh, just as bad as these as the Black Crows, I think. Unless the Black Crows were like physical, actual throwdown fighting, fist fighting. Yeah, there you they go. Were. So they, a, they had they had one agreement: no face punching, nothing yeah. in the face. Yeah. So, Sounds like my but, uh, but, my my I, two older brothers. But by the way, I disagree with you wholeheartedly. I think that it's only a matter of time before Oasis gets back together. I'm telling you, it ain't going to happen, man. Yes, it's it absolutely going to happen. happen. It's nope. absolutely going to happen because somebody's going to throw so much money at those guys, and they're going to be playing. You know, you know, ten don't nights at the O. They don't need that. They, they don't need the money. Uh, no. Noel Gallagher's no. doing. No Gallagher's doing no. great. No. no, no. I'm telling no. you, dude. No. Once, no. once no. Liam. No. Once Liam put out a tweet about Noel's wife, that was he said that was it. 
when you start going after my family, nope, that was nope, it. Nope. They are absolutely so, going to get back together. You're dreaming. I'm not dreaming. Can, I know a boy can a dream. I understand. A boy can it. dream. It's not going it. to happen, dude. It's absolutely going to happen. This? How's this? How's this? How's this? Mr. Oh, it's going to happen. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope, 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 nope. If they get back together, we'll go see them, and I'll buy the tickets. I would like That's to That's how confident I am, that that would be about fucking $1,000 for two tickets. <laughs> I would like to take you up on that bet, but I'm already going with David Knopfler. <laughs> <laughs> Me and David Knopfler. What about Malcolm Young? You going with him? Oh, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, he's you can't dead. pick on the dead guy. So can we so does that does ACDC are they out of this conversation? Because <laughs> Malcolm's dead. It's no longer a brother yeah. band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's wait a minute. Let's get back. So for the record, I will absolutely accept your bet. I you're you're the one that's putting up the capital on this bet. I'm not really putting anything up. Well, you're buying the plane tickets if we're going overseas. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you'll end up putting us on spirit at the one in the morning <laughs> flight, you cheap bastard. No, you'll be on spirit. <laughs> I hate that airline. <coughs> All right. I, um, I, have, I, have, I have no doubt in my mind that at some point Oasis will be back together. They're well, too big of a band. Only time will tell. They're too big of a band, and there's, there's so much... Uh, for them to to prove well like the man said time 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 is on your side i know it's my side but yeah all right that's a ridiculous (laughs) reference (laughs) well there's times on your side you can just sit back it can happen 15 years from now i'm the one that that, wait a minute time is time is on my side right rolling stones reference or I don't know who sang it originally, like Irma Thomas or somebody like that. But the Rolling Stones, no brothers in the band, not related to Oasis in any way. You just pulled that ridiculous comment out of nowhere. Hey, you fucking brought up the Beatles earlier. They're not in this fucking conversation either. I remember shit. It didn't slip by me. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Simon, you don't have a fucking brother in his band, but you raved about him. I was just telling a story about the okay, okay, all right. It, Moving on. It, it was it was, in, turn is it was it? within context. Whose turn is it? Mine or yours? It's your turn, dipshit. All right, let's go with uh, a couple of brothers from New Zealand. Ah, the Finn brothers. There you go, buddy. Neil and Tim Finn. Now they have kind of an interesting story. So Tim Finn started Split Ends. Yes, he did. And Neil was doing his own thing. And then Split Ends breaks up, and Neil had kind of picked up the pace on his career. But, well, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you he, joined, say- he joined Split Ends at the end. And then Thank they, they, they kind of just broke up after that. But, but, so- but, also, but also remember that you know, Split Ends was nobody without Neil Finn, and their only big hits were with Neil Finn. Dead air. <laughs> fucking pointers. <laughs> so we're talking about brothers. Okay. <laughs> trying to one up me on my, I'm like, I'm no, just no, telling no. you the way it is. 
No, you you're telling it the way it is. You're first off, you actually skipped over the fucking fact that Neil Finn was in split ends. I was getting there. You, you were not getting there. You had already blown past those days. Ah, you know. All right, everybody. So then they fucking get back together and they form fucking crowded house and fucking they get the biggest hit of the 1986. They get fucking song of the year, video of the fucking year with Don't Dream It's Over and the Finn brothers run back to fucking New Zealand all fucking happy. All right, your turn. All right. So for all of you that are listening, let me correct what Scott just said. (sighs) Tim Finn was not in crowded house. Until later. And he wasn't. What the fuck? He was in it, though. Was he he not fucking in the band? Was he not in the band? Are we talking fucking time frames now? Are we doing fucking time frames when someone joined the band? Is that what we're doing here? (laughs) Fucking time frames? Really? What is in that fucking thing you're drinking? What is in that cup tonight? Asshole. Yeah, it's a cup of asshole is what it is. That's a big cup of asshole. Oh, look. Look, I'm just, Christ. I'm just, I'm just trying to help here. I'm don't help, to help me. You. I don't need your fucking help. Just, I'm trying to help you. Hey, stop, hey, fucking no! Shut up and play the guitar. So, so just, just for the record, mm. when split ends, when it split ends left, mm. Tim Finn and Neil Finn went their separate ways, and Neil Finn started Crowded House and put out the first Crowded House record with "Don't Dream It's Over," which ended up being record of the year. But Tim Finn had absolutely nothing to do with that record whatsoever. He joined later. He joined, I think it was the third album. He joined, he joined during uh, the Woodface years, which was a great record. Okay. Ready? Take it away, Jack. You better? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Were you did you say something just a minute ago? No, I was were, were you yeah. were you talking? I was I was replicating <laughs> David no, David Knopfler's contributions okay. to Tiger Straits. Okay. Okay. Come on. <laughs> Bring it on. How about the Kinks. Ah, now that's a rivalry right there. Yes. That's a rivalry. Imagine being named Ray. Dave Davies. Like, how unoriginal. <laughs> how fucking unoriginal. Oh, we'll yeah. name him Dave. Right. There you and go. Dave Davies. He'll never forget his name. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, do you think at some point he was like, Mom, Dad, what the fuck? Now, yeah. So so Dave Davies gets kind of a little credit for for inventing that kind of heavy metal raw guitar sound um with how he played. You really uh, got me. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of was the originator of that. Did the, and 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 Ray Davies was the singer and the the songwriter. They probably think they wrote songs together also. Um I always thought they got a bad rap on the British Invasion. Why? I just don't think they're ever put in the categories. When the British invasion comes, you don't always hear the kinks mentioned. It's like they came in at the end of it. They they were well, in it, 
But it's like they came in at the end of it, it seems. Yeah, you know, I think the Kinks were a pretty big band. You know, I, I don't think that they've really stood the test of time, but certainly they were they were huge in the 70s, right? Yeah. They were oh, yeah, big. yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were pretty big in the 60s. So, you know, because you mentioned it, so Dave Davies, um, you know, he gets credit for that kind of heavy metal sound, and you're absolutely right. Uh, and he, what he claims is was he was experimenting. He actually took a razor blade to, you know, the speaker or the cones that were in his amplifier. And that's the thing that kind of gave that rough and grumbly, you know, sound that is, you know, iconic in You Really Got Me. And definitely that song has a sound that has launched, you know, a hundred heavy metal careers. But I yeah. think this is the classic tale where, you know, to, probably to your point is Ray Davies gets all the credit. He's the principal songwriter. He's the singer. He's the front man, right? Yeah. So, you know, after a while, you got to figure that Dave Davies is in the same pub with David Knopfler saying, okay, you know, the same smartest. All right, who are you? Um, Dave Davies. That's more, I, I think that that's more of an Oasis type relationship because Dave Davies was known. He was, he wasn't unknown. I, he, his guitar was no, key but, to but that he sound. He certainly didn't get the credit that Ray did. And Dave right. Davies thinks that he is probably as much, if not more instrumental to the overall sound and the creative drive that was the kinks. And it's just, just not the case. So it's a lot of it is sour grapes. And the other thing is you got to remember, you know, so whether you're talking about the go-go's whether you're talking about the kinks or whether you're talking about, you know, Oasis, there's a good amount of trouble that, you know, comes up between, you know, band members and, and probably even worse. So, you know, with, with siblings, when you have Ray Davies, who's the principal songwriter, who's probably earning 10 times as much as Dave Davies. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. And then there was a third brother, George, George Davies produced the Kinks albums. He was also a backup singer. He played bass with them and he played drums with them in and out but he was primarily and he was he composed their songs so he was kind of a behind the scenes guy but he did step in every once in a while and play with them wasn't a permanent part of the band but he was always around the band you know who else mm. was was kind of an interesting band member in the kinks do you know who mick avery is no so mick avery was the drummer for for the kinks for many years do you know who you know where he was before he was in the kinks Mm. He was in the he was in the Rolling Stones. Oh wow! Like early, 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 early days. Yeah, yeah. Now you got to think that that whole scene, there was a lot of mixing and matching going on, right? It's very incestuous. Yeah, it's like, like the Smiths. Who would have thought that? Uh, uh, what's his name? The the guitarist for the Cult, uh, Mike Duffy. Uh, Billy Duffy. Billy Duffy. Billy Duffy. Who would have known that? Uh, how? Morrissey was in a band with him and he's the one that introduced Morrissey to Johnny fucking Marr. Johnny so, fucking Marr. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, George, I'm not, I'm not, I, he was their manager too, I guess he was their business manager. So yeah. How did he feel at Christmas? <laughs> Whose house did he go to? And by the way, what is your favorite kink song? Um, I love uh, a bunch of their songs. I love uh, Better Things. I love Celluloid Heroes. Um, 
All of the day and all of the night. I love that song. My favorite King song, I think it came out around 79. Superman, Superman. I want to be like Superman. I love, I love that song. It actually references you. Looked in the mirror at my pigeon chest. I got so depressed that I got myself dressed. Yeah, you having a good time over there? I, had to, I said that just came to my mind. <laughs> so your your favorite song by the iconic I love that British, song. I, British yeah. invasion band. Yeah, you know, po- poster child for for the seventies, and you pick out the one disco song that they put out. Look, look, it, it's it's not really a disco song, but yeah, it really. It, is. I mean, like, yeah, yeah one tree hill. Is. Oh, Red Hill Mining Town is like one of my favorites. Like, maybe it's arguably my favorite U2 song. It's not a fucking big hit. It wasn't a I'm one not, of their I'm mega hits. No, know? Superman was. So a I can mega like hit. a song and you not. And like I like the band. I like the band. And yeah, yeah, I know. And, and you know, look, the the song Superman is is fine. Hey, and and also Ray Davies, I kind of hated him for a while. Why? Because he got Chrissy Hine before I did. Yeah, yeah, that because that was going to happen, <laughs> especially with those vocal chops. How do, how do you know it Come wasn't going to happen? Give give us one more verse of Superman. <laughs> Superman, <laughs> Superman, I want to be like Superman. All right, that's <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> that's great. So uh, Scott, Scott Scott McDougal says, I thought Dave Davies put knitting needles in his amplifier to get that distinct humming noise. He may have. He, he may yeah, have. yeah. He definitely know. had a creative sound. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you, you know, the, the thing that, that pissed me off a little bit about the Kinks. So I went and saw them at the Boston Gardens. And before they broke into really, you really got me, they trashed Van Halen. Wow. You know, really? Here's the, you know, here's the real version. You know, this is a fake version. They put, they put it down. <laughs> and, and you know what? The, the, the uh, Van Halen loved the kinks. Up until that so, moment. <laughs> so, so you remember that Van Halen covered the kinks. How many times? Was it just once? It wasn't. On, I'm trying to think. I'll give what you the it? album. Diver Down. Ah. Uh, Dancing in the Streets? Van Halen covered Where Have All the Good Times Where Have gone? All the Good Times Gone? Da! Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. And that wasn't even that good. Yeah. If you notice, I, Van I like Halen did a word. lot of covers. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 did a lot of covers. So you know, I mean, you just mentioned dancing in the streets. Yeah, where have all the good times gone? Uh-huh. You really got me. Uh, even a lot of people don't know that Ice Cream Man is a cover. Ice Cream Man. Yep. Yep. Ice Cream Man is a cover. That's a cover. Um, uh, let's see. What Eruption. Eruption's a cover. Eruption. No, it's not. <laughs> I just wanted to see the look on your face. You're an idiot. I just wanted. You stopped cold in your tracks. <laughs> Dumb shit. Anyways. All right, come on. Bring up another band. 
Well, hey, while we're talking about him, David, I mean, I, I mean, Eddie and, and Alex Van Halen, you know, brothers. Now, here's an interesting one. Alex was smart enough to keep his fucking mouth shut. I was going to say, he was like, an, Alex is a fucking nice guy. Like he, well, I don't know. He, I don't. I don't know whether he's a nice guy or not. But you know, there there was enough separation between what those guys did, and I think that that you know, uh, Alex Van Halen was smart enough to recognize that. Look, I'm just the drummer. Yeah. You know, my brother. My brother's a genius, right? Look at the way that he plays guitar. Look at the way that he writes. You know, I mean, he's you know, he's got the look, he's got the face and whatnot. I'll just sit back here and count my money. He had all the you, right. Go ahead. Not not to take anything away from Alex Van Halen. Fantastic drummer. No, yeah, yeah. Um, he had all the right in the world to step out and put his face out there. He never did. Like, he, yeah. he could have easily been his own personality in yeah. that band, and he, but he didn't. He was, he was, to the end, loyal to his, to his brother. brother. Absolutely. Loyal, and I think loyal, loyal to his brother. I saw a recent interview with David Lee Roth, and the fucking dude looks bad, man. Like, his... He was missing a bottom tooth and shit. It's like, damn. So uh, he how, was saying, how, he, does, how, how does he miss a bottom tooth? I, I mean, was it? I don't David know. Lee Roth, David Lee Roth is going to be worth what? 60, 80 million dollars. I don't know, dude. I was like, oof. I don't know if he's sick or well, anything he, like that. David, David Lee Roth has said recently that he's, you know, he's retiring or he's already retired. He's he's actually alluded to following Eddie a lot sooner than we think he is. Mm. There there are rumors that he's really sick. Him and Alex actually talk. Yeah. Whereas Eddie wouldn't. And I think Alex still talks to Michael Anthony too. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. That's what I said. But- he was just a nice guy. He backed his brother. Fucking loyal. Like you should have in a brother. You know? They were uh, the loyal mafia. to the end. You know? Yeah. They were the yeah. mafia. Yep. What about um, the boys from Down Under? In excess? There you go. Yeah. The Ferris brothers? The Ferris Ferris brothers. brothers. Yeah. Yeah. You got Andrew, John, and Tim. Right? They never had any problems. (laughs) Those dudes always got along. At least you never heard of any. They had plenty of problems with their lead singer. Yeah, yeah. Which is a you know terribly sad story. But what but a great excess- sound they put together though. They toured oh as God, themselves. Yeah. I mean, well, you got so you got Tim on lead guitar, uh, Andrew on the keyboards, and John on the drums. So they got it all covered right there. You know? And Andrew, Andrew, a lot of people don't realize that Andrew was really the genius behind that band. He he did most of the songwriting, yeah. if I remember correctly. He was kind of the heavy set one, right? He's the heavy yeah. set one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they, they, I mean, they, they made their money, but I didn't like, so you were saying something earlier with something, you know, uh, the, who was it? You were saying, oh, like the black crows, right? It's kind of, eh, when they kind of got back together or when they did get back together, when in excess did this find a lead singer reality show. Yeah. Oh, I just fucking took. A big step back, and when nah, they just jumped the shock here. This is the, talk about a money grab. They get this fucking guy JD Fortune. Nobody can fucking replace Michael Hutchins. No, nobody, and nobody has. No, and they went through a couple of lead singers trying to keep that that magic. You can't. They 
Like, when do you say, all right, I got a fucking boatload of money and I'm just going to ride it out, stay out, go out on top, fucking reality is it, show. Is it, isn't Ugh. that kind of a, a, a tough thing, right? And there, there were a handful of bands that ha- that happened to, and I know that we're kind of getting off topic here, but that happened to In Excess, Queen, Alice in Chains, Ugh. Sublime. Stone Temple Pilots. Stone Temple Pilots, right? Ugh. So all of those all of those guys, you know, they all lost their their lead singer and they've done everything that they could to try to stay in the music business. And and I get it. It's kind of a sad attempt and, you know, they now they're instead of being the big headliners and now they're they're opening acts and they're playing smaller venues and their records aren't as good and they you know what they're just trying to carve out a living. I'll tell you and, what. And in, in, in some regard, I, I kind of don't blame them. I mean, what else are they supposed to do with themselves? Are they going to go into the insurance business? No. I heard that's pretty lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are they going to fucking be a federal law enforcement officer? The <laughs> fuck? Right? Um, if you just mentioned it, and it's not, we're getting a little bit off the subject, but if if you ever anybody listening, anybody watching, if you ever want to just you want to be self degrading and and you just want to disappoint yourself and you just want to just shake your head and snarl and just go what the fuck, go see Alice in Chains. <laughs> yeah, they will make you say what the fuck, what a shit. Fucking band they are now doing you know, old songs. That lead singer, he tried to do, I don't know, uh, Nutshell. Ah, oh, fucking demolished it. Yeah. Like there's certain songs you might want to leave alone. He couldn't carry Lane Staley's fucking Coke fucking his crack pipe. <laughs> Yeah, but but you know, and again, they they try they try to do something. They do whatever they can to to keep hold of what they have. Yeah. And, you know, when here here it is, you know, you you become a rock star, right? And you may not be the the principal guy or gal in the band or whatnot. And you're buying houses and expensive cars, and you know, you buying property, and you're going on vacation, and you're living the high life and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, your asshole lead singer overdoses. Those bills don't stop coming in. Then you go do what fucking Vanilla Ice did. Reinvent yourself. And fucking now he's like this, you know, uh, this this home like repair guy buys these old mansions and flips them. And then he he flipped over. He does like heavy metal versions of his songs. You know, and he, he knows he knows the camp that he was back in the 90s. He, he came to understand that. Now he like like George Michael used to do. He he can make fun of himself with ease, with no pride. Yeah, but, just makes but, he but can bounce back from that. But here's here's the big difference. Vanilla Ice is a known commodity, and he can get a platform. He can get into Adam Sandler movies and make fun of himself. Tim Ferriss or Tim Ferriss. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, well, he could in Australia. Guys, uh, Certainly could in I Australia. I don't know. You know, I mean, if, if he's the guy Dude, they're legends in Australia. Yeah, but if he was the drummer behind the band and didn't have any of the, you know, he wasn't the principal guy in the interviews. He wasn't the principal guy in the videos. He wasn't the lead singer or anything like that. But if you if look, you, you know who he is. 
You know what I mean? I, they, they do stand out. Yeah. I don't know. Just saying. Don't yeah. t- just don't go see Alice in Chains. Yeah. Don't disappoint yourself. I don't think that. I think most of our audience are never going to see Alice in Chains. And Jerry Cantrell could have been could have done just fine on his own. He could have done just fine on his own. Well, he didn't. Is. Him and Lane Staley do uh, uh, a Mad Season. I don't know the if group? Jerry Cantrell was was in that. I think the guys from Pearl Jam were in that. One or two, not not like the backup band. I not no, like no, with no, uh, no. with. Uh, Rage no. Against the Machine left and became, you know, and uh, and got audio together slave. and became Audio Slave. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Matt Matt Season was a side project with Lane yeah. Staley, and I I don't know whether it was Mike McCready. I think it was Mike McCready, and I think the, some of the guys from Screaming Trees. So, you know that that was a a little bit of a you know a side project, but you know some of those bands when their lead singers go, yeah, they they just don't know what to do, and it and well, it's happened did that. to. We did that episode actually when bands, it was one of our earliest episodes, bands that lost yeah. their lead singer. Oh, by the but way, just, just because you mentioned it, Jerry Cantrell is actually coming to Boston. He's playing two nights. He's doing a solo thing. Oh, okay. I mean, I might go see him solo, but not with that, not with that lead singer <laughs> that they have in there. So by the way, by the way, the first episode of milk crates and turntables that I, I did solo. It's BJ before Jack a year ago today. Wow. Happy yeah. anniversary. Yeah. And we've done, this is our 40th episode. Holy crap. Yeah. We're coming up on. Yeah. Today, a year ago today started this podcast, not knowing what the fuck I was doing, <laughs> not knowing what yeah. to expect. You know? here you are. Here we are with expensive equipment. By the way, when are you going to get that new camera, you cheap bastard? Anyway, what are you talking about? My camera's okay. fine. It look you look like you look like a Zoom meeting. That's all I'm saying. But it's about the audio. It's about at least you upgraded your mic, dude. I, I don't have all that hot sauce money to reinvest in my equipment. <laughs> all right, let's get on to a a sad kind of. Uh, situation with uh, Credence Clearwater Revival. The Fogarty right? brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't end well. No. Didn't didn't end well. No. Um, what was it? Tom Fogarty? Tom. Yes. Yeah. And John Tom Fogarty. And John. Tom and John. So they have... They they have the biggest band and and arguably in the world at one point. They were pumping out hits. They were selling out everywhere. They were Huge. as we yeah they were they were just an album making machine. What did they last? Four of, years. A lot, a lot of people don't know they were at Woodstock. Yeah, yeah. They weren't on the um the movie. They weren't in the movie, were they? They so I think it was John Fogerty that actually said that you will not use yeah, footage in the you movie, won't. and I and I think I think it was partially because they, you know, Woodstock. You know, everybody talks about what a great event it was. It was a shithole of a. It was a shithole, yeah. The, yeah. That that first one, and they ran dreadfully behind. If I remember correctly, John Fogerty said that they he didn't have them use their footage because they didn't play until like two o'clock in the morning. And from yeah. John's perspective, he was looking out in the audience and people were, 
you know, half asleep and not dancing around and whatnot. And as a result, they didn't play particularly well. And he didn't want that to be featured in the movie. Yeah. So they started off, uh, John Fogarty started off with a band called Blue Velvet with his two friends, Stu Cook and Doug Clifford. Right. And then uh, John. John's brother. Yeah. Tom came along. He was, I think, 18, and he would play with them in and out. He would in and out. And then in 68, they had pulled it together. They were torn, and then they just released an album called, uh, I don't know, Creedence Clearwater Revival, right? (laughs) (laughs) And they, they were, like I said, they were slamming Grand Slams. Every album was a Grand Slam. And then the sibling rivalry breaks out, and... Tom Fogarty is not happy with John Fogarty, who was evidently a control freak. He wanted in on everything. Uh, he wanted to produce it. He wanted to arrange it. And he was evidently a pain in the ass to work with. So they had their falling out eventually. I just said, fuck you. I'm done with you. But it must have been worse because they never talked again. I don't well, know what get, the catalyst was to them never talking, but yeah. So I, I, I can I can give you some you know additional insight on that. So you know one of the issues that happened with Creedence Clearwater Revival, like many bands back in the day, they signed a really 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 bad record deal. Yeah, and the guy that that owned the record company really kind of hamstrung them in in terms of what they could do. And, and as a result, I mean, John Fogarty did not play music for, for many, many years uh, because he couldn't. And he was in litigation with with this guy. And I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but I think it was Roulette Records, if I remember correctly. Um, but one of the issues is, is that Tom did not take John's side. He was not an Alex Van Halen. He actually took the side of the manager. Of the manager, yep. And John could not forgive him for that. And and to your your point, I don't think those guys ever spoke again. They didn't. And as a matter of fact, it's uh he Tom Fogarty had made a statement. I think he might have had cancer or leukemia or something. And he was dying and he had made a comment that uh the manager was more of a brother to him than John was. Yeah. And he died without ever talking to his brother. And I can kind of relate to that because I had kind of a similar situation in my life with my middle brother. Not going to get into the details, but it's funny how life works. I I remember hearing that story and going, how can that happen? Like I heard that story a long time ago, right? I'm like, how could that happen? How could that possibly happen? It happened and it does happen. Yeah. Families are, are, are funny, man. And, like you said, that's my that's my cross to bear, but um, it happened to me, so I can understand well, I, I, in a sense. Yeah, I can understand. You know, situations happen, and relationships can be really, really difficult. And yeah, you know, the things things occur, and you know, sometimes there's disloyalty and trust, or even worse. And you know, people do have a tendency to fall out. And, and sometimes even in the best of circumstances, people have a tendency to just drift apart. 
Yeah. But to, yeah. but but to your to your point and kind of bringing it back to, you know, what we're talking about. I mean, if you think about it, you know, you know, you had a difficult relationship with with, you know, your brother and other people have difficult relationships with family members. Can you imagine having to be with a sibling or you know, a, a spouse or a family member and whatnot, and being in the type of industry, like being in the music industry, where you're essentially together all the time. You're on airplanes together. You're yeah. on stage together. You're recording together, you know, and over a long period of time, like, you know, well, getting back to, and this, this, this kind of goes a little bit away from like the sibling thing. But I remember, you know, when I was a kid, I could not understand why the Beatles wouldn't get back together. But as you get older, you have a, you understand that those guys wanted their own lives. They had their own things to say. You know, if you watch the the documentary, the Get Back documentary, I at won't. least to me, it's okay. on Disney Plus. I won't get Disney. I won't. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. To anyway. me, watching that footage, like you always think that it's John Lennon and Paul McCartney that that, that are the ones that would break up the the Beatles. From my perspective, the one that was most unhappy was George. Yeah. And, his and talent, rightfully his talent so. was being wasted there. You're absolutely right. Yeah. He, they wouldn't give him the, the, the time. He wanted to do his own thing. He didn't want to tour anymore. He didn't want to get locked in this big machine, you know, that, that was the Beatles. You know, so, I mean, you can kind of relate, you know, with, with a band of, of four mates, you know, four friends that were locked into this relationship. But you had that additional component of you know, a family member. It's just that one extra thing that complicates it just that much more. And maybe it's yeah. not just one thing. Maybe it's multiple things that make it more complicated. Well, again, ZZ Top, we had said this. How did you guys last 50 years? And Billy Gibbons replied, we all had our own bus. You need <laughs> we each space, had our man. own bus. That's how you got to make need, it work. You need space. Like Pearl Jam, when they in between albums they all have their own different lives different friends you know and they get back together you too same thing they all have their different lives get back together it's a business but you even know? even Pearl Jam takes it a step further you know they, they recognize that they each have you know something to say outside of Pearl Jam in this this kind of an unwritten rule and put out a solo you know do it yeah yeah. So, um, what else you got? Well, I think we're kind of running out of time. I don't know. But I had, I, I, time. I have a we bunch of time. We got time. I have a bunch of them. So, you know, Jimmy and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they were together in the early days. Uh, you know, some people don't know that, that Stevie Ray Vaughan did have a minor stint in the fabulous Thunderbirds in the early, early days. And that uh, Jimmy and Stevie Ray Vaughan actually got together just prior to Stevie Ray Vaughan's death and got together and put out a, a, a record together. Yeah. Um, what so about those, those uh, Radiohead, Colin and Johnny Greenwood? Yeah. Right? A lot of people don't know that. But Radiohead's a very mysterious band. I guess they have this rule that Tom York doesn't do all the interviews. It's like each one of them, like, you go do it. You go do it. You know? So no one really dominates, although Tom York is the dominant figure in that band, no doubt. But Sure. 
Sure. You know? What about uh, the Almond Brothers? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, that that's kind of a no, uh, a gimme, right? I have that at the top of my list, actually. The yeah. Almond Brothers. You know? Yeah, it's right in the name. It's right in the name. <laughs> yeah, and greatness is just greatness. I mean, there's, what more can you say about the Almond Brothers, right? It's their story is out there. What about the Bangles? The Bangles. Yeah. Vicky and Debbie Peterson. Really? Yeah. Vicky plays the lead got... guitar. Debbie plays the drums. I think I, that one got by me. Yeah. The Bangles. Look at, look at you. Yeah, yeah. What about so the Stooges? They, Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Yep. The Ashton Brothers. What about Devo? Devo is actually comprised of two sets of brothers. That's right. Yeah. Bob and Gerald, Bob and Gerald Casale. Yeah. Casale and Mark and Bob Mothersbile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sister Sledge. Funny thing about Sister Sledge, their, their, their biggest hit is We Are Family, right? Niall Rogers wrote that song. And did you know to this day, to that, that was like in 77, I think that song was written. To this day, and Niall Rogers is a great producer, great songwriter. The guy is a hit machine. Very quietly, he's a hit machine. That song alone makes up a quarter of his income. Doesn't surprise me. That one song, and he's written a lot of great songs for a lot of uh, great performers. That song is a quarter of his his income. That's amazing. It's and he makes song. a lot of money. Great song. What else you got? So, uh, let's see. What about Gladys Knight and the Pips? See, okay, yeah, you got cousins in there. <laughs> you, you got, got everything. Brothers, you got cousins. Yeah, so you had uh, Gladys Knight and her brother, uh, what's his name, uh, Meryl Bubba Knight, and they had Brenda Knight and cousin Eleanor Guest and William Guest, the cousins. Yeah. Now, so, uh, Brenda left, She she, but that was the original formation. They were originally just called the Pips, right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and then Gladys Knight was a standout, which she should have been, which she was, you know, extremely uh, talented and a great voice and, so yeah, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Um, yeah. And you got Anne and the, Nancy Wilson. Anne and Nancy Wilson, yeah. The Cranberries. Noel and Mike Hogan. Noel plays the drums, and Mike plays the bass. And the Cranberries. Yeah. See, this is what you said at the beginning of the, of, of the show. You were like, "There's a lot of siblings and bands that we don't know about." Are we the we, breeder? The breeders. Yep, yep, yep. Kim, uh, uh, Kim Deal, and her sister. What's her sister's name? Kelly. Uh, now Kelly, okay. her and Kelly. Kelly was actually lined up to be in the Pixies with them originally, but she didn't. She, for some reason, she didn't do it. The Breeders. I think she played on the second album for the Breeders with the hit Cannonball. That was like the the big hit, and she was. Uh, Kelly was unfortunately a heroin addict and she just, uh, couldn't stay clean long yeah. enough to continue. Yeah. Yeah. So Anne and Nancy Wilson, a heart, the staple singers, the point sisters, the Isley brothers, Pantera. Who was that? Dimebag Daryl, dime, dime bag, Daryl, 
and his brother, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I forget his name. His name. Yeah. The B-52s, yep, yep. The, the brother died, the lead guitarist died, the drummer took over the lead guitar spot, and they never brought another drummer in, just studio drummers and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, that guy was, a, I forget his name, but he was a he was a good guitar player, man. Very unique, like, uh, you know, really strange tunings that, that he They should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're just this, so, just the uniqueness, the uh, America's greatest party band, right? Jay, you know why I think? Do you know why I think the B-52s aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Why? Love Shack. Oh, I know. Womp, 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 womp. I, 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 I actually think that the B-52s are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because this, for the same reason that Devo is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, too much humor, too goofy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's fair. I, th- I think both of those bands belong in the Rock and Roll. If Hall you of go Fame. deep in the into their catalog, you see there's a lot of great songs. What about uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive? Sure, good Canadian band from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Don't you know? Right, there's three brothers in that band actually. Randy Bachman. What band? Tim did he and Robbie. What right. what band did he leave to to form Bachman Turner Overdrive? Oh, uh, you, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Guess Who? The Guess Who? Yeah, yeah. And then his you, you son Tal Bachman tried at it. He tried to make a run at it. Yeah. Didn't really do that well. You know, anybody with the name Tal is not going to go too far in the music business. No, no. <laughs> did Just you know kidding, the Carpenters? <laughs> the Carpenters at one point were one of the best-selling bands of all time. Actually, they are one of the best-selling bands of all time. I think that the the Carpenters have sold somewhere in the neighborhood of like 90 million albums. Or and they only made 11. Like they made 11 albums. They made 11 albums. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's a... It's not a big catalog to sell 90 million records. They, right? They've sold 90 million albums world worldwide. And, and and they, th- I think they're one of the few famous bands that came out of originally Connecticut. And, you know, they're, they're yeah, they're, um, sounds about right. And they, you know, they took off when they moved to California, but they were originally from Connecticut. So, for those goth rock or dark wave people, you have Bauhaus, right, with mm-hmm. David and Kevin Haskins. One played bass, one played guitar, and then they went on to form Love and Rockets. So they were kind of a double barrel band with of siblings, so to speak. Scott, did you know, going oh. back to the Carpenters, did you know that Karen Carpenter, before she died, and this was a handful of years before she died, she actually worked on a solo album with Phil Ramone, who was a famous producer in the 70s, big producer of Billy Joel. As a matter of fact, Billy Joel's backing band actually backed her on the record. But not only did she work with Phil Ramone, but she was actually working with a guy by the name of Rod Temperton, who most people won't know. But Rod Temperman was, or Temperton was a, was a big influence and a big contributor to Michael Jackson. And did you know, Scott, that on that solo album, Karen Carpenter recorded Off the Wall and Rock With You long before Michael Jackson did. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, I think that uh, the record company wanted Karen Carpenter to be Karen Carpenter and Karen Carpenter wanted to be more contemporary and dance music and whatnot. And they actually shelved the record 
So it didn't come I wonder out if there's the- any demos out there of that. How the hell well, did that it, sound? The, the, the album did come out, but it didn't come out until 1996, which was, I think, 13, 13 years. With those two songs? With those two songs on it? Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. I want to rock. I'm going to have to look that one up. I want I want to see how that sounds. But, uh, yeah, just read off the rest of your list. I think I did. All right. Wow, we covered a lot, buddy. Uh, credence. Uh, we didn't talk about the Kings of Leon. I know you hate them. Uh, I don't hate them. I just don't listen to them. I have no reason to hate them. Yeah. They're good. Th- three brothers and a cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack, you know, you know what time? You know what time it is? Did you know on no, this day? Oh no, no. Do you pay attention? On this day, day in music. All right, Elvis this Presley day in music. Left Graceland and went and bought a quart of ice cream. Hey, we had somebody actually made a request. They like when you do your little strumming while I do this. So we're here to keep the fans happy. This is your time to play. Just don't overwhelm me or I'll turn your volume down. <laughs> On this day, January 7th, 1956. Elvis Presley's single, Heartbreak Hotel, was released on RCA Records, who had just purchased Presley's contract from Sun Records for $35,000. The song sold 300,000 copies in its first week and would eventually sell a million, becoming Elvis's first gold record. On this day in 1970, John Lennon wrote, recorded, and mixed his new single, Instant Karma, all in one day. It ranks as one of the fastest-released Songs in pop history, recorded at London's Abbey Road Studios, big surprise, and arriving in stores only 10 days later. Great song. On this day in 1971, David Bowie arrived in the U.S. for the first time. He couldn't play live because of work permit restrictions. Damn immigration. But attracted publicity when he wore a dress at a promotion event. That guy, brilliant promoter. Self-promoter. Did you know know that... Devo got their record deal pretty much because of David Bowie. David Bowie, yeah. Yeah. I think you told us that. Yeah. All right. On this day in 1977, The Clash signed with CBS Records in the UK for £100,000. I don't know what that translates to, but that was a good investment. On this day in 1998, James Brown was charged with possession of marijuana and unlawful use of a firearm after police were called to his South Carolina home, Brown later claimed the drugs were used to help his eyesight. <laughs> All right. Born on this day. This should have been last week. Nick Mason, drummer and percussionist and tape effects. That's actually a thing for Pink Floyd. Nick is the only member of the band to play on every album since the band's formation in 1965. And born on this day in 1951, Seth Justman. Seth Justman keyboards vocals with the American rock band Jay Gosman. Now, didn't he, he took over lead singing, the lead singer role after Peter Wolf left, right? Yes, he did. And I, if I remember, they there was a he had a pretty they had a small hit out of that, and he was pretty good. But again, you lose your lead singer like a lead singer like Peter Wolf. You're not really gonna. Do you remember the? I don't remember the song. 
I, I remember I mean, I the video. Right. I remember I, I I saw the video. I liked it, and it was it was a minor thing. I, I don't think it was like a, a a breakout hit, but it was being played. Well, again, WBCN would play it anyways because it's a Boston band, and you know they're always helping out the Boston bands. Yes. So that's it, buddy. That's it. That's it. We covered everything. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. I got to go do another live stream. I'm already running a little late on that, but I don't care. This takes a, this is a priority. So I want to thank, thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, buy some hot sauce. Uh, I don't know what else. Scott, the IT guy, doesn't leave the outro anymore. I think he, he got he's he's too big for the show now. So I'll just leave it at this. If we entertained you, the pleasure, the privilege was ours, and we look forward to seeing you next week and you listening to us next week. Any last Adios, words, Jack? brother? Adios, brother. I'm never speaking to you again. <laughs> not until next week. I'm not I'm, talking to you until next I'm Wednesday. The- I'm the talent on this show. Ah, I'm the talent. I'm the looks. I'm the face. You've been riding, you've been riding my coattails. I'm telling mom. I'm the face. All right. Good night, <laughs> everybody. <laughs>